All right, we're back with another episode of the Making Waves podcast. And today's guest is none other than our good friend, Adrian Simpson. Adrian, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah, just back from uh, San Francisco on Saturday, uh, taking a week, uh, clients, a uh, group of 20 clients there for a week. So, uh, which was uh, exhilarating, uh, inspiring, but also exhausting. So. <laughs> awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, anytime you travel internationally for business and it's bam, 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 bam for a week and then you come back, you you feel like you, you look up and you're like, did I even go? Like, I, like <laughs> I've just got back. I'm, I'm exhausted. So... So what, what we want to do today is really um, share, give you a chance to share your journey, share your success and share your, uh, your travels through the professional world and um, allow, allow the audience to learn a bit more, kind of peel the curtain back. As we say, sometimes the United States peel the onion back a little bit and get to the different layers of, of where things are. So um, if you don't mind, Adrian, first, tell us a little bit about what you do and kind of where, where you're at professionally right now. So uh, what I do, so well, I call myself kind of uh, 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 co-founder and chief connector uh, at Wavelength, and uh, both those things are true. So um, I co-created this business uh, 14 years ago with my wife, um, uh, who's also in the business, um, and uh, connectivity is the epicenter of everything that I do. I do many things badly, but somehow my brain works <laughs> very well in terms of joining the dots of uh, who should talk to who about what. And, and I've really kind of built a, a career uh, around that. I mean, tangibly speaking, I mean, Wavelength is all about, you know, well, our belief is we're, we're a very niche um, uh, player in the executive education space. Our core expertise is, is bringing the outside world in, helping our clients, providing our clients with a combination of what I would call inspiration, education, and provocation, and uh, and indeed application. And uh, essentially, I spend as much time as my diary will allow scouring the world, looking for examples of practitioners, um, organizations, and leaders who have a compelling story to share with uh, on narratives we know our clients are interested in, or be, be it. Literally, I mentioned that the start last week. We were in um, America for a for a week. We had twenty clients from. Uh, Asia, North America, Latin America, North America, Europe, um, spending um, six days uh, going inside the boardrooms and shop floors of some of America's most admired companies. Some of those had uh, reputations for excellence in service and culture, which were Ritz-Carlton and Southwest Airlines. And then we went and spent three and a half days inside Silicon Valley, uh, meeting some of the iconic names like the Goodles, um, some of the pioneering VCs like Andreessen Horowitz and Silicon Valley Bank, but also doing some incredibly exciting stuff like uh, having meetings in the metaverse uh, with uh, with our partners at Meta, uh, going for rides in um, uh, robot taxis operated by crews, uh, having uh, experience in the world's first ever molecular drinks machine <laughs> that prints any drink you want off in your kitchen. Uh, appointed the man, whether it be um, alcoholic, non-alcoholic, sparkling, uh, non-sparkling, uh, hot or cold, uh, was quite something to see. So uh, where I'm at professionally is a very um, delighted that the program went so well, um, really inspired by what we learned and slightly exhausted from the jet lag. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So let's let's actually go back to the beginning. Let's go back a little way, way back, not too far back, uh, <laughs> but... Um, Tell the uh, tell the viewers a little bit. Let's let, let's share a little bit about where you're from, and okay. kind of where you and where you grew up. Okay. Well, I was born and raised um, in a, in a place, a province called the Wirral, um, which is in the northwest of England. Um, so basically, equidistance between Liverpool, uh, obviously infamous for uh, the Beatles, and uh, and the Roman city of Chester. Um, so that's where I was born and raised, and still got. Um, although I. I've lived in the southeast of England now for nearly half my life. Still have very, very strong um, roots to that part of the world. In fact, my mother and my brother and several of my best friends still still reside in that area. Awesome. So was, were there any parts in your childhood that or growing up in those early years that maybe pointed you or maybe somebody gave you some inspiration as far as getting into business or, or how did you know how did that traverse into to how you entered entered the 
what I'll call the corporate world. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, I mean, my, my dad was a, a huge part of my life. We sadly passed about five years back, but he, there was two things. My dad was always um, a real advocate for running your own business. So that was always his mantra, which was kind of, you know, take control of your own life and sort of run your own business. And so that, I think, was a, a message a message that uh, he, he repeated many times in my childhood. So I think that really impacted me subliminally. And then to be honest with you, probably um, one of the most sort of pivotal moments of my life was when I was about 15, 16 years old. I, I don't quite know why he gave me a copy of um, uh, Tom Peters in Search of Excellence, uh, which for the listeners who are old enough may remember was published in sort of the early 1980s. I think it was or still is the best selling business book of all time, sold many millions of copies. And I read it and um it just struck a chord with me because I couldn't quite understand why every company in the world wouldn't operate in the way that the companies that Tom Peters was writing back, uh, which ironically and rather wonderfully included Southwest Airlines and, you know, they're 50 odd years old now and, and still the world's most, well, now they are the world's most flown, most successful, the most admired airline. Those days they were more of a, a regional um, North, North American player. Um, mm -hmm. But the Ritz-Carlton was in there as well. And so, um, but, you know, that just really, I, I guess, lifted the lid on um, the cultures and practices of organizations that, frankly, Tom Peters kind of articulated that just simply get it. And I couldn't quite understand why every other business in the world just doesn't get it. And what I mean by that is embody a spirit where they put the people, their employees at the absolute epicenter of the business um, you know, and if you have a sort of relentless compulsive obsessive focus on your talent pipeline, your people, there's a reasonably good chance that really engaged, animated people will deliver great service to your clients or customers. And if you've got really engaged people delivering excellent service to your customers, there's a pretty good chance you'll make some money. And that's, uh, and that's that just sort of sat with me. Absolutely. And kind of going up through those childhood years, um, you went to university there. In the UK, uh, yeah, absolutely. In 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 Manchester, yeah. So I did agree. I started actually. I I at a, after um, what we call uh, well A levels in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, I went to. Uh, I actually started my career in 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 retail. I worked for a big UK based um, retail department store called John Lewis Partnership uh, as on a, on a training program for a couple of years between eighteen and twenty one. Um, learning to sell actually in the in the most relive environments, which is the great British public in their in in their full technicolor <laughs> the good the bad and the and sometimes the ugly so uh on the in a, in a in a store in liverpool which in liverpool is a a wonderful and very colorful city full of very colorful interesting characters but that was a real um real learning curve and i'm, I'm sure uh yeah uh, selling has never been quite so real since really <laughs> well yeah so 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 on that um Selling, I believe, as uh, uh, an entrepreneur in the later part, in the second half of my life, I'll call it, um, and a person who's built businesses and those different things, I believe selling is one of the most important skill sets that any human being can actually possess, whether they go into the corporate world and those things. So I'm curious, what are some of the things, like, like what, were there some stories that you learned where you realized, because connecting is selling, right? You have to sell yourself, you have to sell an idea, you have to sell that other person that they can achieve yeah. what they want to achieve and what they're trying to accomplish. So was there anything that kind of stuck out to you in that time period? My favorite uh, definition of selling is transferred enthusiasm. And I think that's exactly what selling is, which is if you think about experiences in your own life, when you've walked into a shop with no intention of buying and you've met the, the, the owner or a brilliant member of staff who've just espoused their belief and passion for a particular product or service and then you walk out you know 45 minutes later you know several hundred bucks uh, poorer but enriched by the experience and going what just what just happened right and and, and so and i think i probably learned that actually you know selling on the shop floor in retail is that though which is you know if you can genuinely believe in a product or a service um you know learn about it um uh become a sort of knowledgeable about it um believe in it and then you know convey that to your to your customers or your clients that goes that goes a huge way um so i think you know and there's nothing more real than when you're selling in retail on the shop floor dealing with you know yeah can you can you can you in that in that live moment you know get people to buy into to you know what you believe in absolutely no I, I i firmly i firmly agree i spent 12 years 
um, in the retail sales and finance side of the automotive business in the United States. So, um, yeah, you're trying to get somebody to pay for a car, you know, a $30,000 car. It gets, it's, it has, it has its challenges. Now, something that I think you probably also learned, and I'm curious and cause not everybody that I talk to who does public speaking, Hmm. uh, has a background in sales. So I'm curious, do you think that also helps you in the realm of giving you confidence of talking and speaking in front of people and speaking from a place of authority to people? I, I do. Um, I think, you know, I think you say you, you know, you're, you're a little bit on stage, particularly in a retail environment, right? You are literally on stage. Um, I would say though, the truth is that when we originally founded the business, um, so I did, did did do some public speaking before I started uh, Wavelength, but then um, when we originally started Wavelength, there was a third partner in the mix, and he very much sort of loved the limelight and 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 loved grabbing the microphone. So I kind of deferred, frankly, to to his his. I didn't it didn't it didn't 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 grab me up. But as I've got a bit older and perhaps a little bit wiser, um, I've done it. Um, but actually, I mean, the brute reality is that one of the the, the funniest because I used to shy away from it a little bit, and actually, for enough when my dad passed, um, and I had to do his eulogy, and that was singly the hardest thing I've ever to do in my life, and mm. probably the hardest thing I'll ever do in my life, um, you know. And uh, that that you know, getting up there and doing that was um, extremely hard. And so, kind of when I did it, I kind of went nothing could be more difficult an audience or a more difficult thing to deliver sure and it kind of gave me a bit of an i think also you know when you, you you lose a parent you kind of reflect on where you are in life and what you stand for and and that i don't know it gave me a so maybe a kind of a bit more of inner confidence and an impetus to also just you know get out there and 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 share some of the stories that i've had remarkable access to i mean i'm incredibly privileged that over the course of the last coming on now for 30 years, I've managed to get inside the boardrooms and shop floors of some of the world's most admired and remarkable organizations from, you know, some of the iconic players in America, like your Teslas sure. and your Netflixes and your Southwest Airlines and your Goodles and the Ritz-Carltons to great European companies like Legos and Ikeas to Chinese companies like Alibaba and Tencent and sure. remarkable businesses in India like the Arab and Icare system. And then on top of that, I've, I've, interviewed and hosted many incredibly accomplished um, leaders and chief executives who've hosted sessions with with Al Gore and, and, and sure. uh, you know, mentioned Tom Peters earlier and Alan Job, Unilever's chief exec. And so I think I've got this sort of wealth to show you. I think it's it's kind of, it was a bit of a wake up call to share some of those insights and stories. Sure. So so actually going back to the Tom Peters thing, yeah. um, you mentioned this book, you read, you mentioned, you know, your dad, uh, your dad obviously has, has certainly planted, um, you know, some seeds and, and some knowledge along the way. It sounds like a really, really, uh, great insight throughout life and growing up. Um, you, you actually worked, um, and spent some time working within the Tom Peters organization. Is that Absolutely. correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Two and a half. I spent nearly three years there. So, so was that, was that a bit surreal for you of like, <laughs> I read this book, my dad gave me the, what, and, and, well, I, it's a two part question. Yeah. Was it surreal for you? And how did that, like, how did that play out? And then what was your dad's thoughts on that? It was, it was one of life's great, um, uh, I don't know, I'm, I suppose I say coincidence, you wonder how these things play out. So there I am 16, 17 years old, get it, get the book from my dad, love it, um, I think that influences me ultimately to go and do a degree in business um, and marketing at university. Um, I get a job offer when I'm at in my final year to go and sell widgets for some company down in down the southeast of England, which I accepted. Um, but as part of my degree, I'd spent a year in nearly seven months in Finland. And while I was there, I met a, a guy who um, it became has become a close personal friend. And uh, he lived down in London. And so after I graduated, he invited me down to hang out with him in London a few days. When he, I was hanging out with him, he went to a graduate fair because he hadn't got a job. Mm -hmm. And I was walking around this graduate fair, already having secured a job. And I saw this advert um, that was written in very specific language um, that I immediately realized was an advert for the Tom Peters Group, although it was called TPG Partners. And I thought, 
oh my god and so i decided to apply and i think i was about only one of two applicants that actually made the connection between the advert and the company um got the job and so didn't end up selling widgets ended up joining the tom peters company which was just you know but i look at that yeah. series of series of coincidences it's it, it it's remarkable someone was kind of looking looking down on me and um yeah and i spent two and a half uh, three years there, and it was it was amazing. I mean, the you know, I mean that was really got me into selling. When I mean Tom, Tom Peters back in the day was the highest paid, certainly professional keynote speaker in the corporate world. He was commanding north of a hundred thousand US dollars a day back in the mid early to mid nineteen eight you know nineties. Sure, sure. um, you know, which is just mind boggling amounts of money. Uh, but we would bring him over, and we would sell you know four hundred tickets at. I don't know, thousand pounds each, and uh, that was a that was a tall gig, and that was basically on me. And um, yeah, so that was that was a um, it was surreal, and also and the fun part also was trying to do some research every now and again to try and find other companies that um, embodied this kind of spirit of 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 culture first that he would then include in his books or his his, his talks. Did did you did your dad think that was pretty ironic that you ended up working? It was fantastic, and actually, uh, rather rather wonderfully, I uh, I've been there a couple of years. I managed to get my dad down to see him speak with my brother, oh, actually, which was great. So you that's know, awesome. that, was a, that was lovely. So it was nice, nice complete circle. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you you had this whole environment. Uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm loving the trajectory of where this is going because yeah. you you get this book from you know a business. We'll call him a business thought leader, mastermind in the world who also public speaks and yeah. you get this book at a young age and you go in and you, 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 you learn sales, uh, you know, any retail sales is kind of like, it's like being thrown to the wolves, right? Like it, it, this is the reality of it. And I know some of the nuances of what you're talking about, about great Britain and those things. So, so get it, you know, so going in that now you, you, you venture off and now you're working, you know, and helping build the business for the gentleman's book you read some years ago, yeah. while also getting to observe events and getting yeah. to observe, you know, him as a speaker and those things. How did that lead you into the next stage of your career? Uh, again, one of those moments I will never forget. Uh, one day the phone rings. Um, uh, there's a, a young woman on the phone and she's looking for a Tom Peters video. Um, I started probing with some questions because it was literally video cassettes in those days. Yeah, yeah. She said, I, I, I'm afraid I can't answer those questions, but let me pass you over um, to somebody who can. And this lady called Christina Murren came on the phone who worked for a, a, a company that it transported was called What If. And uh, What If was a, a small um, innovation agency in sort of 10 people, 12 people uh, based in Primrose Hill. And uh, so I kind of got through the questions about the, video cassette. And then I sort of said, so what does what if do? And she said, kind of, well, we're an innovation company. And I was like, you know, what's one of them? And <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of, you know, asked a bunch of questions and I thought it was a you know great name. And, uh, and then she invited me. Uh, I said, look, you know, I'd like, I think I said, said, can you send me a brochure? And she said, don't be daft, come and visit our chapel. And uh, I said, well, and she said, we have a chapel. We operate out of a converted chapel in North okay. London. So I said, well, that's a hell of an invitation. So, so sure enough, I got in a car and I drove to to uh, Primrose Hill in North London and uh, met with this uh, remarkable woman and one of the other co-founders of the company called a guy called Dave Allen. Um, got on incredibly well with them. Um, uh, they were just um, they were kind of about eighteen months, two years old, and um, after about six months of kind of me leaning in and helping them out with some, I, I got into selling training courses at Tom Peters group. They were just starting to sell some training courses around innovation. I gave some advice. I basically made the jump and uh, I went freelance to join what if, and it was the greatest decision I've made in my career. I spent um, 11 astonishing years at the company from when it was 10 people to over 300 people in, in three or four different countries. And uh, I, I grew as a person immensely, and I really learned my craft. And um, and it was it was remarkable, and it was a, an amazing time. I mean, I, I it was they they was <laughs> in the in the basement below where we were operating is where Oasis was recording. What's a story, Morning Glory? Um, uh, it was truly kind of kind of but in this kind of really wonderful upper middle class bubble of Primrose Hill, with posh coffee shops and kind of but 
rock stars kind of downstairs. It was a really kind of heady mix. And yeah. I was there, yeah, from my uh, mid-20s until uh, basically my mid-30s. Um, awesome. Yeah. So, so, so... I mean that. I mean that's a it's a it's a big move, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you obviously played a a very vital role in growing that company, coming on in an early stage. They recognized something phenomenal in you, and were willing to take a bet. So, so for the listeners who maybe are entrepreneurial in their own right, or you know, we're we're in a very um, I'll call it uh, unique time in the world for to be you know to be an employee, to be an individual contributor, to be a freelancer, and these different things. What what are some of the things that really stood out to you that that gave you or what was it about yourself even that gave you that confidence that I'm going to because, yeah, you took a bet on what if as a company, but you kind of had to bet on yourself, too, at that stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gosh. Um, I mean, I said at the start, you know, my dad was always about do your own thing right and and whilst this wasn't my own thing it was a i guess it, you know going from full-time employment to freelance employment was a baby steps uh in that um i found my gang i guess then that's an odd thing to say they were very different the, the, the group of folks at what if were largely marketeers they'd come from fmc backgrounds unilever founders um some pepsico folks so they were different but it was a, just this kind of wonderful um uh, entrepreneurial, high-paced, experimental, go get it, go do it kind of culture. And that just fitted me like a glove, I guess. And so, uh, you know, I think, um, you, 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 yeah, because I, 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 actually I, I think <laughs> years later when I decided to leave What If and, and start Wavelength, I went through a real kind of existential crisis about, you know, whether I should or shouldn't. And um, a couple of people came alongside me at that time and just said, look, you know, what's the worst that can happen here, right? What's the worst that can happen, right? You know, you, you, you place a bet, you, you roll the dice, it doesn't work. You'll look back on it in a year, 18 months time and you'll just say, I've got a ton of learning, right? I've learned a whole lot about myself. I've learned a lot about the world. I'll, I'll, I'll take that learning and I'll make, you know, better informed decisions as a result of it. And I think there was a part of me just went, you know, I, I had a great three years at the Tom Peters group, but I'd kind of outgrown it. It was a little tiny UK satellite operation. I was needing a new, a new home. And so, um, yeah, that's my, that's my thoughts. Maybe, yeah, maybe, no. maybe some more will come. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I think, I think that's great. And I think it leads into a big part of about where, you know, where the workplace is today, where the world is today, even where leadership is today of this time of experimentation, this time of, of thinking outside the box. And I think that probably while, while maybe it's not at the forefront of, you know, your message when you're working with um, all these fantastic people that you work with, I think there's probably a part of that, that, that energy is given off that you're, you, you, because I, I tell people this, anytime you've stepped out and you've done something on your own, when when you're the sole responsibility of whether or not you pay your bills, yeah, you you develop a bit of uh, callus and mm. um, you know some wounds and some scars because because yeah. it looks pretty. It look you know everybody yeah. looks at Adrian and says, "Wow, this guy's had this amazing journey and he's just been successful his whole life." And, you know, the reality of it is, is there's some peaks and valleys in there, right? Absolutely. Like there's these, Absolutely. there's, there's these waking up and realizing, yeah. I don't know how we're going to pull this off in the next two weeks Absolutely. moments, right? Oh we yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And, and it, you know, and if, you know, I, 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 you know, I spent my whole life, most of my career sort of dealing with very senior folks in the corporate world. And whilst I really admire them, and I think, you know, there's a lot of great corporate leaders, you know, the, 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 impact that private sector organizations can have on the world is profound and the impact of leaders within those corporates in turn is profound because the the scale at which they operate is incredible um at the same time there's part of me has always wished that that folks in the corporate world all spent a year or so running their own businesses to understand just what it's like as you say when when your time is literally your money and uh you are responsible for the income of you are your own, putting bread on the table, 
and and you know a, a bunch your of teams. employees your team, yeah, your yeah, team right? yeah. and, that, and, that, and that's on you and and actually um you know and but time in a corporate world and time in a small business world are two things that don't often gel and it's you know it's that uh but i think for those clients that have sometimes stepped out maybe mid-career done a couple of years uh, on their own and then they re-enter i notice a very different behavior set because they understand what it's like to be on the outside trying to trying to trying to move things along <laughs> yeah well yeah it's 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 what i tell people it's 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 learning the the muscle memory of doing a lot with a little yes right and and yes. it's and it's figuring out and saying okay let's t you know let we'll, we'll use the current times right now there's all these different you know financial forecasts happening and every person with a microphone right now is giving their opinion on what economies are and aren't going to do and all those different things. I often sit and I look at a lot of these people and I want to say, you're scaring the daylights out of people. Hmm. And what actually, like now the people who are having to make these decisions, they, most people in, in senior leadership haven't been an entrepreneur. No, they haven't, they haven't sat down and looked at the bank account and then looked at <laughs> payroll and said, well, Ah, uh, you know, I'm probably not going to get a paycheck this month and yeah. I need to talk to one of these other folks because they might not get the paycheck they were expecting and I got to figure out who's going to be least impacted there and those things. And, and, it, and it gives you this ability to think through problems in a way that, and I think that's why a lot of these people bring you in mm. to do what you do. Mm. While again, maybe they don't even understand how you got there. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that we've gotten to, to share this part of your story mm. is you bring this expertise that comes along as in you're an expert in your own journey and your mm. journey just happens to be one of excellence and yeah. excelling through these different things. So, so that professional journey now has led you to where now you're, you know, the co-founder and chief connector of Wavelength that does everything from executive education to connecting the dots with companies and, you know, internal consultants or public speakers and those different things. And I think, I think it's a beautiful thing. What, what is, what, what, if you had to give like one or two lessons that you learned in, in stepping out there and betting on yourself and doing your own thing, what are, what are some of the, what are one or two things that have just stuck with you and that, if you if if you had to tell if you had to tell Adrian working back in the retail store, work you know, you know putting on putting on his slacks and his you know and his and his and his button up shirt and shining his shoes because uh, that was probably a thing back in those times. I remember a time when I shined my shoes. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. My John Lewis suit, yeah, 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 yeah. What 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 are some things that you tell yourself about that journey and about step? Would you what, what would you share? Well, I mean, you know, beyond the sort of cliche stuff of just going for it, I think a couple of things I've 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 learned is um, I have been incredibly fortunate by people who've lent in uh, to support me and come alongside me at various points of my life, and and um, the, the one level it's it's the it's recognizing it's very lonely, um, and actually the value of a of a support network around side alongside you is incredibly useful. Um, be it an entrepreneur or be it a senior corporate leader, you know, build what I would now call um, a strong personal boardroom, right? You know, people who give you advice and open doors and are, you know, your your advocates, your sponsors, your mentors. I've in recent years, you know, I've had um, I've, I've engaged coaches, even clinical psychologists in, in when I've been in a really tough spots because there has been some some really tough spots, um, you know, people who played mentoring roles. And so that is a, a, a massive sort of re reflection. And I think because of that, I've always had a sort of mantra of kind of trying to pay it forward a little bit. So so now, now when you get to a certain point where you've got to go, I look back at those four or five moments that redefined my career and and where I've come alongside. There's been like four or five specific moments where people have just come alongside me and really give me my wings and my confidence. And I, I'm unspeakably grateful for that. Um, and then, you know, but that continues through, you know, the remarkable businesses that I still 
are able to visit. I mean, I mentioned several times we spent we on Monday we we were uh, with, with Southwest Airlines the whole day. Yep. That's a relationship going back twenty three years now. I've got at Southwest Airlines, you know, which yep. is remarkable and not dissimilar to Ritz Carlton. And so, you know, I've managed to maintain develop a relationship with that organisation over that period of time by trying to make sure their baskets filled to the brim as well, because it sure. can't just be about take. It's got to be about give. And when you can, however you can find a way to to fill the baskets to the brim of those that have come alongside you, um, be it through, you know, if you're able to offer advice, offer advice. If you're able to open a door up, open a door up. Um, I've had clients who, when we started Wavelength, we, we were, somebody once described, um, a startup is a good idea in search of a business model. Um, and, and never, <laughs> never was that truer from, from wavelength. And, uh, you know, we had clients who kind of metaphorically literally found 20 or 30,000 pounds every Christmas behind the sofa and kind of threw it our way to kind of just said, do something great with it. Right. And we'd, we'd kind of figure something out. And then, you know, years later, those individuals, one of them particularly found himself ousted quite brutally from a large corporate bank um, after a 27 year career. And, um, you know, we just came alongside him as much as you could do, you know, with advice and support. And he had no idea even how to write a resume or a CV, never mind, get a new job. And, you know, it was like payback time. And, and you know, the, you look at that from the transition of when he lost, you know, when we were in startup mode looking for funding and support, he was just there. And that was amazing. And then five, six years later, he was just out. And, you know, Anyway, you just just and, and I saw, and that was the right thing to do. It was the absolute right thing to do at a human level, at a personal level, and then of course he managed to get himself back into the on his on his on his, onto the the corporate world, and and you know and, and once again you know came alongside us. So anyway, just a few few immediate oh, thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, and I think so. I'm again, this is peeling back those layers, um, and I think this is ultimately why you have the personal success you have, but also you and your team have the success that they have because, you know, culture is defined oftentimes in organizations by the people. I, I don't like using hierarchy necessarily, but the people at the top, right? The people yeah. who have the most skin in the game, those yeah. people, whether it's good or bad, whether it's, you know, whatever, like it's, it's, it's kind of like a household, right? Like yeah. I, 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 I got three kids in the house right now and I got a wife. If I wake up in a bad mood, the rest of the family is probably going to be in a bad mood that day. It's just, yeah. prob it's just kind of probably how it goes. So yeah. you, in your life, yeah. you've, you know, um, you've established this doing the right thing is always the right thing and yeah. giving back and helping others. And that doesn't necessarily mean physically or financially. It means like providing advice or providing opportunity. And I think, I call myself a connector as well. I connect the dots and solve problems for most people. And I, I can resonate a lot with this because ultimately what you're doing when you're a connector is ultimately you're doing it out of an altruistic place in your heart of, I want to help other people achieve what they're trying to achieve. Mm. And the secondary part of that is it just allows me to have some amazing people in my life that I can um, call friends that I can call colleagues that I can call family and all these different things. And in my research in who you are and, you know, learning who you are long before we ever did this interview and in, in, in a, in a completely other side of it through a mutual friend, friendships evolve out of your business, right? Mm -hmm. I've talked to four or five different people. Some of you probably don't even know I've talked to that, <laughs> that, that are aware. And, and I think that's a really, really awesome thing that, that you've developed. And I think it's mm -hmm. an important thing for those people listening of it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what level of corporate. It doesn't matter if you're just starting out that, that you've maintained that. Because I'll point out from a timeline standpoint, you started wave. You guys started Wavelength in two thousand eight. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Our first event was 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 held in October two thousand eight, three weeks after Lehman Brothers collapse, and we were sponsored by the Royal Bank of Scotland about a week before they were bailed out by the government. So it was kind of an auspicious start. Yeah. Yeah. No. But 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 it but 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 that that's a testament to to what you guys were doing. And you mentioned you know in your you know in your breakdown like people were they saw something in you and they were 
pulling, we'll call it breadcrumbs. They're pulling yeah. breadcrumbs here or there and saying, here, we, we believe in you. We can't yeah. do much, but we believe in you yeah. and we want to help. And I think that's all. I think that's an awesome thing. Yeah. Well, I think uh, my former business partner, um, coined the expression, um, we cashed in every ounce of relationship equity we had <laughs> to, to get the business off the ground in, uh, in Q4, uh, 2018. And, and I think that was absolutely true. And it was, and that's exactly what it was relationship equity. Right. And, and, uh, you know, we, we, and, and, and that's something I think we've traded on and, and, and increased exponentially in the, in the 14 years we've been, we've been trading, but yeah, um, that ability to forge powerful, meaningful relationships with with people is is incredibly important, and just the the power of connectivity is is is, is extraordinary. And um, it it pains me actually that a lot of folks, particularly in the corporate world, don't have a powerful external, certainly a powerful external network. They're very insular. They operate in the same echo chamber. Um, and I think that's a very dangerous and a very lonely place to be. Um, and so, you know, one of my sort of pleas often to my corporate clients is, you know, get, get, frankly, get out more, <laughs> you know, look, look up more, um, stop, learn, listen, get that external inspiration, education, provocation, open yourself up to, you know, folks that might have a different point of view to you or a complimentary point to you that can really help you in your career um, and in your life, you know, I think it's a, it's because I say, unfortunately, a lot of corporate folks, particularly those that have got a very long tenure in the same sector or same industry are very, very narrow in my view, in terms of their, their external connections. And I think that's a, that's not a good thing. Yeah. And would you say in today's world that would, that would actually be almost uh, a competitive advantage in a oh. lot of ways with the current landscape? I mean, unequivocally, unequivocally, because, you know, the last couple of years has taught us anything. You can, your business can be completely upended by something you never saw coming, right? And that's, a, you know, and so these days it's a, you know, so I don't think it's ever been a more complex or difficult time to be a leader, right? If you think about all the things that you have to now grapple with, right, whether it's global supply chain issues, whether it's the diversity and inclusion agenda, whether it's sustainability agenda, whether it's the you know it's it's the a startup you've never heard of in a country you're unaware of is is basically you already got a business model which is you know going to going to potentially you know disrupt your model. Um, whether it's you know the the the, the number of the mental health agenda, you know you look at all the different things that you are grappling with as a leader, right? And you cannot do that alone, right? And so why wouldn't you spend time stopping, pressing the pause button? And learning and listening from others, you know, Ritz Carlton have a great expression in the context of service: radar on, antennae up, is what they talk about, right? And that and they use that in the context of a guest's unarticulated needs. They want their ladies and gentlemen um, serving ladies and gentlemen, which is their wonderful articulation of the, of the people that work for them, to have their radar on, antennae up regarding you know the articulated need of the guest. I think it's a really good mantra for business leaders as your radar on and your antennae up as to what's over the horizon, what's next, what's next, next. You know, if you've got an issue around sustainability, who's doing it really well? Who's doing what on the diversity and inclusion agenda? Who's doing what with supply chain, right? And learn. And, and you know, and, and I have a great sort of mantra, which is, and Tom Peters are the same, swipe with glee, swipe with glee, right? You know, ideas and insights. Now the execution might look different. You know, the, the you know, you, we, I mean, just give you an example from last week. So, Last Monday, we started our Wavelength USA trip with a visit to the legendary Southwest Airlines, the most successful, admired airline in the world and one of the most successful, admired businesses in the world. They are, they've been boarded 9,000 employees this year so far. They're in boarding another 9,000. Every Monday, they have classes with 300, 400 new hire employees. When those new hire employees, so imagine this is your first day of your first minute in a new job. And you get off a shuttle bus and you walk into the lobby and you are literally met by a red carpet they've laid down. And alongside those red carpets are hundreds of Southwest Airlines employees, hoopering, hollering, clapping, sounding klaxons, waving banners, welping you to the Southwest Airlines family. Right now, you know, that is a significant emotional moment. 
right, to win the hearts and minds of those new hire employees, right? And I'm not saying um, that's what everyone should do, but the principle of what are you doing as a, as a company to immediately engage the hearts and minds with a wow moment they will never forget. Literally every single one of those new hires had their phones out, right? F like just filming it, recoiling in like, shock and surprise and delight at their welcome and you know it's lasted and they went into a classroom and then it carried on with that kind of spirit right but so i go so so in a war for talent when everyone's saying right you know we can't get enough talent right you know there are things you'll have to do kind of you know on the offensive which is kind of like you know where are you how are you you know look in more diverse pools you know than you've ever done before and maybe you know figure out how your jobs are configured and all that but just in kind of like what kind of culture are you creating? And wouldn't you want to create a culture whereby as soon as people engage with your brand, you you give them a significant emotional moment? What would that look like for your business, your brand, right? And there was a, a lady with us from the wonderful Aravind eye care system in India, um, one of the world's most remarkable organizations, you know, traded 70 million people over the last um, 40 years for the eradication of needless blindness, you know, being subject to Harvard and Wharton and NCAD case studies. And she just looked at it and said, and she's responsible for hiring and recruiting about a thousand young women a year from Indi from villages in India, aged 16, 17 years old, to join the Arvid Ica system. And she just went, "Oh my God, I'm going to take this. I'm going to and I'm going to do this in Arvind. Obviously, I'm not going to do Hooper and Holding and Claxons, but flowers and rice and you know and 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 sort of you know the kind of the way in which we would do a warm welcome in India. I will I will take this principle." And I will now use that at Aravind, you know, and she will. And so I guess, it, yeah, so I'm, I'm sorry I'm going off of one, but I, I so believe there's so much to be learned from just learning from the outside. So, so this really is the core also, you know, kind of leading into it. It's the core of what you guys do at Wavelength, right? Hmm. Like, you, like you, you're, you're connecting um, business leaders and companies and aspiring leaders all around the world. You guys even have um kind of a, a networking community of folks that where you you have leaders bring it come in to listen to other leaders and to listen to those things is that yeah, correct absolutely i mean our whole business is is you know based on a belief that you know leaders learn best from leaders so you know i said the asset you know our specialism is is bringing the outside world in and and our our, our ethos is leaders learning from leaders so scouring the world looking for for leaders and organizations that have compelling stories to share with our clients in real time on real topics. And these people have got warts on all experience. They live in it. They're doing it. You know, like we were in the heart of Silicon Valley, say, 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 say last, last week. And it is providing those clients with that combination of that inspiration, that ideation, you know, kind of sometimes it's education, sometimes it's provocation, which is, you know, if our clients tune into sessions we run in china we did a digital session from china a few months back and and clients you know they come off the call and saying how, how didn't i know how didn't i know that the world you know that the most advanced digital economy in the world and silicon valley is good and it's but it's a bubble right china sure. is like sure. china is the most advanced digital economy in the world right and and the, the scale and the pace of innovation and disruption in China is is breathtaking. And, and you know, as we've seen a wave of Chinese businesses, like number one, you know, social media platform right now in the world, TikTok. You know, where did mm -hmm. that come from, right? Mm -hmm. you, know, you, know, you, you know, number one, you know, online, you know, trading platform in the world is Alibaba, not Amazon. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. it makes Alibaba look like Amazon. Alibaba makes Amazon look like a rounding error. I mean, it's uh, as great as Amazon is. You know, seven hundred million people a day touching base with Alibaba's brands. Every single one of them getting a personalized user experience. The numbers are just crazy. You know, there's a wave now of Chinese um, car companies. Niao um, mm -hmm. now now entering Norway. Now entering Germany. You know, producing cars at half the cost of of a Tesla that do pretty much the same things, thousand mile ranges on their batteries for half an hour, flat charges. I mean, just, you know, it doesn't sure. matter what, what you look at. So, so I think it's, you know, but some of those things are quite provocative for clients. They're like, Jesus, I had no idea. Some are just closer to home like that. You know, that example, like I'm, I'm you know, last week we witnessed a, an astonishing communication process at the Ritz Carlton hotel where, you know, they're pretty, the principle is, you know, so this is where I think you've got to draw the dots, which is, I would say, all clients, all companies would aspire to have 
the right information in the hands of the right employees at the right time, right? Because if you can do that, then your business is going to going to be a good stead, right? You know, the way the Ritz-Carlton do that is a 15-minute, every single hotel, every single shift, every single day, and not just the hotels, the global head office, where they do a 15-minute cascade of information, you know, what's happening globally, what's happening in the country, national way, what's happening in this hotel today, who's staying here, what's their preferences, you know, what's their tastes. And then and rather wonderfully, every third day, they tell a story of wow, service excellence delivered by a Ritz-Carlton lady and gentleman somewhere around the world. And so you think about it, you're a new hire employee at Ritz-Carlton at the end of your first year, you've heard 150 stories of service excellence delivered by one of your peers around the world. Well, isn't that going to inspire possibilities in your mind, right? And so, but that again, that principle of right information, right time, right, you know, how do I take that? And then, okay, that's the Ritz-Carlton model, very high touch, 15 minutes a day. But what can I take from that and go, what can I, how do I put that principle into my business? So I think it's incredibly powerful. Yeah, no, I think I think all of this is um, it's really, really beautiful because you've had so much experience and because you've been able to, um, you know, uh, I don't want to use the word infiltrate, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you get a peek behind the curtain to some, you know, phenomenal leaders and phenomenal organizations. You've developed this level of knowledge and it goes back to your story of. There's a fearlessness that I don't know that you're aware that it, it it's present. It, it, it's from someone on the outside observing. It's certainly present on my end. I can see it. There's a fearlessness you have of not being afraid to take chances, not mm-hmm. being afraid to walk up to two people and say, hey, you two need to have a conversation. Yeah. Right. Like you. Oh, I, you know what? Let me hold on. Let me call Shane. Shane. <laughs> hey, you really need to get on the phone and have a conversation with this person because they really need to hear what you have to say. Like it's, it's those things. And a lot of people don't have that, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people, a lot of people, you know, because the, the judgments of what other people might think, well, well, you know, this person's really successful and I don't want to offend them because they, I don't want to come off like they don't know what they're doing. Well, the reality of it is, and this is what your story has shared and your journey is everybody doesn't know everything. No, and, oh my word. <laughs> and, 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 but, but oftentimes, sometimes we become, uh, we drink our own Kool-Aid a little yeah. bit, right? Like, like we, 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 we like our, we, we, we buy our own products a little too much and we think that we do know everything, right? Mm. And one of the most humbling and probably rewarding things that we can do is reach out to people outside of our day-to-day ecosystem and say, just tell me what you think. Can like, I'm, I'm dealing with this, right? Mm. Like it's, it's those things. Uh, it's kind of like having a kid, right? Like, yeah. you, like you, you have a child and you, you know, you go to leave the hospital, you're a first time parent and they stick that baby in the car seat and they close the door and they say, okay, well, good luck. And <laughs> you know, I, I remember having to me at 21 years old and I drove away and I'm thinking they just let me leave with this. <laughs> Child. Yeah. Like what, like what I have no idea, but how do you get there? Right. Some of it is learning and making mistakes. And some of it is also reaching out to people that you admire as a dad or you admire as a parent and saying, Hey, can you give me some advice? Because, you know, little Johnny's not going to sleep and my wife or I, neither one have slept in the last six months. So it's, you know, we, we got to be able to do that. So I, I love, I love that part uh, of your journey, and it clearly has not only uh, paid off, um, but I think the rewards maybe are great financially, but far surpass that from, again, that altruistic part of the impact you're making in other people and helping other people and the ripple effects of what that does by you holding, you guys holding these events that you hold. Yeah. One leader hears something and that changes the whole trajectory of their career. Mm-hmm. And then they carry that on and that gets instilled in their culture. And you guys, so that goes back the wavelengths, right? Like you yeah. guys are creating these wavelengths throughout, uh, throughout the people that you touch with. So uh, I think it's been a great interview, Adrian. Uh, what, what I like to do again is, is, is kind of show the human behind the success mm-hmm. and allow people to get to know a little bit about you. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm going to, I'm actually going to end with three personal questions here that I'm going to ask you just so they can kind of learn even a little bit more about you. Um, 
The one is probably going to be the most controversial question I could ask a person in the UK. Okay. Who is your football club that you cheer for? <laughs> Liverpool. Are you Liverpool? Okay. Liverpool. Right. Yeah. Well, I was my mum. My mum was uh, is a Scouser, which means she was born and raised in in Liverpool. It's the affectionate name for uh, folks in Liverpool. So, um, yeah, I, I'm a I'm a uh, Liverpool Liverpool by far. Yeah. So 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 a quick note on the Scouse. So I had a gentleman uh, who worked for me, who's um, uh, from the Southampton Portsmouth yeah. area. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some years ago, and we were doing a tour, and I was giving a bunch of talks throughout the UK. And he, he was, we were talking about the United States and the different dialects, oh, yeah. right? So like the people in the South sound different yeah. than the people out West and those different things. And he was like, well, we have that here in the UK. And I was like, I don't like, I don't know that I've picked up on it. Well, he pulled up these videos, I guess, of people talking about the different one, you know, the different yeah. dialects and the different regions. And Scouse was one and he, and it was a comedian doing it. And yeah. it was through, and we sat in the Airbnb in downtown London, just outside of South Kensington, and I laughed until I cried just hearing all of these different things because it all made sense. And it was like, oh, we're all the same. Well, I could do this exact same video for a bunch of people in America. Like, this is, this is it. So um, what, is, what's, what, what is your if – you could, if you could live anywhere else outside of the U.K. in the world, of all the places you visited, where where would you go and why? Oh, that's a really tough question. So up until it's hard not to veer into politics, I have a massive soft spot for Northern California. Okay. I think, you know, San Francisco, you know, Highway One, the Napa Valley, you know, um, the outdoor lifestyle, you know, yeah. spectacular. Um, whether I could live in America now, given the Sure. Political sure. directory. I, I'm not sure, but that that pro probably still could. I mean, it's I okay. think, you know, San Francisco, Silicon Valley. That is still a bit of a bubble, but you know, I think it's a sort of it's a qualified answer because of what's going on there. Yeah, now. In, in a in a perfect world, that's <laughs> where perfect, you in a perfect world. Yeah, exactly. A perfect world where the politics of America were were uh, not where they are right now. I would probably live in Northern California. Awesome, awesome. Uh, and your absolute favorite food to eat Ooh, uh a shellfish um okay. my dad still kind of scallops lobster kind of prawns langoustines they're are you are you a, are you a raw oysters guy no I, and oysters i can't do unfortunately okay. I, actually, I actually have an allergy to oysters but but oh, shellfish, okay shellfish yeah prawns langoustines lobster all that kind of stuff. Yeah, always it's always and that and I, again they were they were they were some of my dad's favorite things. So I think I've just uh, that uh not fallen far from the tree as they say, you know. <laughs> well, well well if you if you ever find yourself down here in Lisbon where okay. I'm at now, we've got we've got plenty of all that fresh out of the fresh out of the water every day and uh, I got a few places that uh we could certain we could certainly go uh um we could certainly tap into. So Adrian, I appreciate your time. This has been absolutely fantastic and uh, appreciate everybody who's listened in and uh, tapped into uh, Adrian's journey and uh, all the jewels and lessons learned that he's learned along the way. Thanks so much, Adrian. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Shane. Cheers. Cheers.